So the Boston Bruins trading for Taylor Hall. That has been finalized. He's going to Boston along with Curtis Lazar. The Sabres getting Anders Bjork and a second-round pick in return. It was such a whirlwind of a year. It went pretty pretty badly, obviously. You, you look back on, on what you could do better and, and look forward to the future. And, and obviously, I'm so happy and excited to be a part of the Bruins. And I can't wait to play, and I can't wait to be a part of a group like that. So this is the deal we've been talking about. The Islanders make a move. They pick up Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak. The Devils receive some prospects and some picks. I'm excited to have them uh, a part of our organization right now. I know what they bring on the ice. I know, also know uh, who they are as people and how well they'll fit in the locker room here. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Our Line Starts, fueled by Duncan. I am joined today by Anson Carter and Dominic Moore. What's up, guys? Trade deadline day. Always an exciting day. Yeah, depends on who you ask. For, for Ace and us <laughs> now, it is. But as a player, I didn't, I didn't love this day. Let's put it that way. Did it bring back some bad memories for you, Dom, throughout the day? Yeah, I mean, I was moved three times as a player, uh, and... It, it obviously it depends on the situation, right? Sometimes you're looking forward to, you know, going to a contender or, you know, having a chance to play in the playoffs, which was, which was usually the case, but obviously you like, you know, consistency being in one place too. So always a bit of an uneasy time. Amazing for us to talk about, but we forget the human element of it too. Like these guys have to leave their families. Uh, they have to leave their teammates behind. Remember the one time I was traded, I was sitting in the locker room watching trade deadline activity and I heard and there goes Anson Carter to the New York <laughs> Rangers and I'm taking up my shit pads like what I just got yeah. traded that's the way I found out so yes KT these things happen before the players even are notified beforehand yeah and I think a year like this year to bring up your point Anson just about you know the the human element of trades and really the human element of professional sports and I know all of us deal with it um in our personal lives when you try to explain to people like yes it's wonderful and yes they're living their dream and ha- they make a lot of money and they're playing a game for a living but there is a humongous human side to all of that and some consequences of having that and one of which is being traded and having to leave your family behind during a pandemic when there's just so much uncertainty so um I give all the players a lot of props that got moved that waived their clauses because they wanted to go to teams that would be successful and that would win and ultimately deliver all of us a great postseason. So let's talk about um, some of the moves that happened today. And I think the biggest trade that everyone's been talking about is the acquisition of Taylor Hall by the Boston Bruins. This now becomes the fourth team, you guys, in two years that Taylor Hall will be on, but they acquire Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar from the Sabres for Anders Bjork and a 2021 second round pick. They also, the Boston Bruins, acquired defenseman Mike Riley from the Senators in exchange for a third round pick 
in the 2022 draft. Now, guys, the Boston Bruins, at time that we are taping this podcast, are in the fourth place in the Eastern Conference. A bit of inconsistencies throughout the year, but there's no question that we all think they're a playoff team. Dom, I'm going to start with you. Living yeah. in Boston as you do, what did all of these moves for the Boston Bruins tell you when you saw them? Well, to me, this was highway robbery from Don Sweeney. I mean, this was incredible job of Sweeney, his team in a really tough place. They've been decimated with injuries. They're not playing as well as they would have liked. Uh, and Sweeney goes out and does this and brings in a guy of Taylor Hall's caliber. I know Taylor Hall has had a season to forget, but let's not forget he's been a, you know, these players are a product of their environment and Buffalo has been a very difficult environment to be in for everyone that's been involved in that organization this year. So I think the, what Sweeney's been able to do without giving up all that much, I mean, it's player for player. You could debate, you know, the value going back between Lazar and uh, the other player, Bjork going the other yep. way. But, but I think, you know, let's not forget Buffalo's retaining half the salary as well. This is a tremendous deal for Sweeney, especially when you compare it to some of the other returns uh, like you look at Yarmo Kekalainen in Columbus, he was able to generate two first-round draft picks there with the traders that they traded away. So this is Sweeney breathing life into his team. And, and the other thing to consider here is that the Boston Bruins have a closing championship window, in my opinion. Patrice Bergeron, still at the top of his game, but he's not getting any younger. The chemistry that that top line has, they really needed to make a run of it this year. And I don't think they could defer and, you know, be sellers this time around or anything like that. They need to go all in. And that's what he did. But he did it without mortgaging the farm. Yeah. I had to check just now. I was checking down my phone. It wasn't like I was ignoring you there, Dom. But I was checking my phone because this isn't the year that Taylor Hall won the MVP. Last time I checked, he had two goals. I mean, the guy had two goals. Buffalo Sabres were the worst team in hockey. And Taylor Hall wasn't the solution this year. So do I think he's going to help the Boston Bruins? Absolutely. but. I don't think he's going to add value the way, like, say, a Felino will in Toronto. And it just depends on what teams are willing to give up. So from the outside, it might look like that Donnie Sweeney robbed the Buffalo Sabres. But I don't think teams are knocking on the door with first-round pick offers for Taylor Hall. The games that I've watched Taylor Hall play this year, he's been okay. And I've always wanted to see Taylor Hall give me more and bring more to the table. I haven't seen it. Now, granted, they're decimated with covid and, you know, all those issues that were happening to them and not having his number one center, Jack Eichel, be there. But I'm thinking they're lucky they got Anders Bjork. I watched him play at Notre Dame. He was the best college hockey player I saw play that year. Now, concussion issues, I think, has hurt his development. Can he get to be that player who I thought he could be eventually? I think maybe going to Buffalo, change the scenery, might help a rookie or a younger lineup not having all those veteran players breathing down his neck. But I do agree that, when Taylor Hall gets to Boston, he'll be insulated by veteran players, almost like Phil Kessel was when he went to Pittsburgh. And he didn't have to be the man. And you saw what happened with Phil Kessel winning a couple of cups to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I just think, Ace, you know, like the leadership that they have and the, the winning culture that they have in Boston, you know, Taylor Hall hasn't been around that. You mentioned he's been on, you know, the, the teams he's been on the last, th you know, two years, three years. And they have, they're not the Boston Bruins. They're not perennial contenders. And – I think when you're around guys like Patrice Bergeron and Marchand and these guys that have won, you know, Stanley Cups and recently been to the finals and conference finals, they expect to win. And I think he'll fall in line really well. And, and you're right, though. I don't, 
I don't kind of put that on, on Kevin Adams that the return wasn't good. I think you're right that demand was not there. Do you guys think, though, with him going to Boston, he's likely going to be slotted on that line with David Krejci, you know, a tremendous centerman. That's where we would project he would be. He's certainly not playing on the top line. But, you know, you look at that, and Ace, you brought up his MVP year. I mean, can he regain that MVP caliber form of 2018 with a player like David Krejci and a team, as Dom mentions, with veteran leadership like the Boston Bruins? Yeah, I certainly think he can. And Dom was spot on when he said that. He hasn't played in a team where they have that internal pressure to succeed. Every other team he played on, there was the external pressure maybe for Taylor Hall to have individual success, but he didn't have the guy sitting next to you, pushing you, trying to make you do the little things that lead to success. And David Krejci in the postseason has always been unbelievable. They've never been able to pair him with quality offensive wingers on a regular basis. They always went to Patrice Bergeron. So I'm sure David Krejci's at home thinking, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Former MVP player playing on my wing now. Now there's no excuses. Now it's up to David Krejci to shut up and deliver. And I think Taylor Hall will elevate his game playing in Boston because now the narrative can't change. Before, like Dom was saying, he wasn't surrounded by veteran players, winning environments, all this kind of stuff. Well, now this is your opportunity, Taylor Hall. And I want to see, as a former player, I want to see him have success because I hate crapping on players. I'd rather, like, throw flowers at guys and talk about how great they are as individuals. Yeah, and of course, a very well-coached team as well with Bruce Cassidy. So you have to expect that he's going to hold Taylor Hall accountable. Um, let's stick with the East, guys, because, you know, one of the teams that's jockeying for position with the Boston Bruins, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they made a move today I was actually very surprised by. They acquired Jeff Carter from the LA Kings for conditional picks in 2022 and 2023. I think I'm most surprised that Jeff Carter waived his no movement to go, <laughs> go out of LA and in his beautiful place where he's been living in Manhattan Beach for so long. But I mean, listen, clearly Jeff Carter's at the stage now in his career. He wants to win. Pittsburgh might get him there. But what did you think about this move for the Penguins to acquire a player like Jeff Carter? What's he actually going to bring to the Pittsburgh Penguins? Ace, you want to take that first? I'll take it first. And I'm Jeff Carter. I'm a big fan of Jeff Carter's too. I think because we both share that awesome last name. But if I'm, <laughs> Jeff Carter, I'm sitting, I'm thinking Manhattan Beach or Pittsburgh? Manhattan <laughs> Beach or Pittsburgh? No disrespect, Pittsburgh fans. And I know Pittsburgh's an awesome sports market. It's a great hockey market. But that's something he had to consider. And KT, you're talking about players leaving their families. That's a long ways for Jeff Carr to be without his family. And that's kind of why I thought the, the moves that Lou Lamorello made before were brilliant. Because the guys could still stay so close to their family going from New Jersey to, to New York. But back to Jeff Carter, I've liked his game this year. I've seen a resurgence in Jeff Carter's game this year. That's why I thought the LA Kings could have maybe snuck into that fourth position if they had a little bit of luck, he brings that size that Berkey loves. Brian Burke, now the president of business operations or hockey operations there in Pittsburgh, wants physicality, wants toughness, he wants size. Carter brings that. And now with Evgeny Malkin hopefully getting healthy at some point and the team getting healthier around him, I think he's going to be a great pickup for the Pittsburgh Penguins to make another run. It's funny, right? Like the first few weeks of the season – the talk around Pittsburgh was, okay, are, are they going to trade Latang? Are they going to trade Malkin? You know, this team is in total disarray. Yeah, not you making know. the playoffs. Forget it. Exactly. Yeah. They're not making the playoffs. They're going the way of Chicago and L.A., these past championship teams that now have to rebuild. Fast forward two months, and here we are. They're, they're buyers at the deadline, bringing in a guy to try and make a run. So a lot has changed in Pittsburgh. Um, Jari and DeSmith have been really, like, top notch in the entire league 
Crosby's just driving the bus. Whoever's in and out of the lineup, they just follow his lead and, and their depth players are all contributing. So I think adding Carter will be a, a really great uh, asset. And as you said, Ace, when, when Malkin and some of these guys that have been out come back, they've got a pretty formidable lineup. Yeah, and they know how to win, too. I would never bet against the Pittsburgh Penguins as long as that Malkin and Crosby, even Latang is still there. Those guys are still the heartbeat of that team. And Sid's shown over and over in his career, he doesn't need superstar players to thrive the National Hockey League. He can make other guys better around him. So as long as those guys in the lineup, specifically number 87, I'm going to always give him the benefit of the doubt to make the playoffs. Yeah, it's like having Tom Brady as quarterback. You just never bet against them, never bet against Sid, uh, three-time Stanley Cup champion. Guys, let's take a look at the current East Division odds presented by PointsBet because I do want to focus on the Bruins and the Penguins. They have the same odds at plus 375. The top two teams in the East right now are the Islanders and the Capitals. Can Pittsburgh or Boston buy for that top spot in the East? No, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't think they can. I think the Islanders uh, and Capitals are firing on all cylinders right now. I think the Bruins are trying to find their game. They, you know, they are missing their one, two goaltender still. And I still think even though they made an acquisition in Mike Riley at the deadline, their defense is a little bit just missing their mojo from what they had in the past. I mean, Tori Krug and Chara were there for so long. And Matt Grizzlick and Charlie McAvoy have not found a way to lead this group to the level that I think they need to. And so the, the defense in Boston, despite what Sweeney's been able to do with acquiring Taylor Hall, I think is still a question mark for me. And, you know, Pittsburgh, like I said, they're, they're firing all cylinders as well. But Wash and, and Islanders, to me, are the two teams to beat. Yeah, I think so, too. If, out of those two teams, I think Pitt has a better chance than Boston. I don't think Boston has a chance at all. But I really like the New York Islanders. The, the moves for Zajac and Paul Mary. Now Paul Mary possibly filling in for Anders Lee on that top line. You've got Zajac. He can play kind of up and down the lineup. He's like the toilet seat. He can play up and down. So <laughs> I, I like both moves. And like I said before about being close to home, that's a fact you really can't not talk about enough. Because now they don't have to worry about going weeks or months on end without seeing their family. Their families can just drive back and forth. I don't know. I mean, KT, you live in Jersey. How far is Jersey from the island? It's not that far going up and down the turnpike. So yeah. I think the Islanders with Barry Trotz as their head coach and Lou Lamorello kind of at the top of the ship there, they have all the pieces they need with the way they play and the structure to go on a very long run in the East. And remember, they took Tampa Bay. That was a good battle against Tampa Bay Lightning last year in the bubble. It could have easily went the other way. Yeah, I think the Islanders are just an incredible team right now. The depth that they have best you know one of the best fourth lines in hockey with you know Sezikis, Clutterbuck and Martin you know losing Anders Lee was huge but they knew that this was a year to contend and Lou Lamorella was not shy about making that move but Lou is very very strategic and methodical with what he does and I feel like Paul Mary was the perfect fit you know just an absolute character guy you know Barry Trotz is I think very thoughtful about how he puts together his lines you know, you've got a guy like Barzell that is just a playmaking, dynamic player, but and Lee, who is kind of good around the net and, you know, knows how to score goals. And I think Paul Mary will fit into that, that kind of puzzle piece really well. Now, having said that, they didn't start him out right away on the top line in the first few games he played uh, on the island. I think that was really smart from Trotz. Let him get his feet wet. That line had been going well with Leo Komarov. So I think that was a smart, just ease him into the lineup. And I, but I wouldn't uh, 
be surprised to see him on the top line uh, in the next game or two. Interesting. Yeah. A very COVID friendly trade, Lou Lamarillo making that deal um, to acquire his former New Jersey Devils players to Long Island. Uh, a late afternoon trade, guys, right after the trade deadline of, of 3 p.m. expired. There's always trades that trickle in, and one of them happened to be one of the biggest of the day. Uh, the Capitals acquired Anthony Mantha from the Red Wings for Jacob Verana, Richard Ponick, a 2021 first-round pick, a 2022 second-round pick. Oh, by the way, the Capitals also had gotten Michael Roffel from the Flyers for a fifth-round pick. So do you like these depth moves that the Washington Capitals – I found these to be very creative moves by Washington. Anson, what did you think about these moves? I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, Mantha going to the Capitals, maybe for the same reason that Taylor Hall could have success in Boston. Maybe Mantha could have that same kind of impact from those veteran players being around him, trying to teach him to be a pro, what it takes to compete every single day. That might help him maybe, but I'd rather try to reel in a racehorse than kick a mule. And <laughs> I see Mantha as a guy that if he's on his game, he's amazing. Six foot five, great reach, strong, amazing wrist shot, tremendous hands and poise around the net. But I'm not seeing that enough from him every single day. Whereas I see what Stevie Eisman is trying to build in Detroit. And you see the speed that Verona's bringing to the table. You see the speed that Ponick's bringing to the table. And he wants to surround his younger players and add to the culture of these young players that are coming to the lineup the next following years. They want to follow that same template that he really built in Tampa Bay. So I'm not quite sure with Mantha going to Washington. Maybe the guys around will make him better, but I like what it does for the Detroit Red Wings moving forward as they continue to build that team and make it a championship team the next five years or so. Yeah, KT, you used the word creative to describe this deal. I thought that was really, like, absolutely the case here I mean this is I think one of the best moves of the day you know if you look if you're Brian McClellan you're looking at your team you know Panic has been kind of the odd man out he, he scratched last game when they have their full roster in and so he's a little bit expendable asset there and then they're trying to look for ways to improve their team you know and instead of trying to get kind of a rental player they go out and get a, a young player that has a tremendous upside that has a very complimentary skill set to the players they already have in their forward group. I thought it was an incredible move. It's not to say that the Capitals won this, won the deal because you don't know, you know, what pans out down the road for what Steve Eisenman was able to acquire in return, but they certainly weren't seeing a top, top game from Verona over the last month or so. And so I think that gave them cause for concern. And, and this was a chance to improve their team for another team that has a closing championship window with their aging core. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
Yeah, no question about that. And a very valid case for a championship this year. Let's shift to the North. Uh, another big team that made big splashes was the Toronto Maple Leafs. They made some moves acquiring Nick Foligno from the Blue Jackets, a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 fourth rounder. Uh, you know, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs acquiring Nick Foligno. This is the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's so ingrained in that community. He's so well-liked. He's so well-respected around the league. He goes to a team where his father donned the Leafs sweater and had uh, an, a remarkable highlight real play that we all can remember during the playoffs. But, you know, this had to have been a very challenging situation for Yarmo Kekalainen to, to ultimately decide to do. But he wants to win a Stanley Cup, Nick Foligno. So, Dom, you know... Your thoughts on going to a hockey hotbed from a city like Columbus for Nick Foligno, and I know he's played in Canada before, but what is he going to provide for this Leafs team and how is it ultimately going to affect him as well up there? Yeah, so obviously being from Toronto originally and having played for the Leafs on two separate occasions in my career, I can tell you that the there's nothing kind of like the crucible of the playoffs in Toronto. And there has never been as high expectations as this season for that team. First place in their division. Uh, they're loading up, as you can see, for, for a long playoff run. That's their, that's their hope, including adding guys that, in case there's injuries, you know, in the third, fourth round, Ace, that they've got what they need. They're really going all in here. Um, for Felino to come in, I think he's a really valuable piece, and and for Columbus, a very difficult decision to make. Here's a team that has had their own playoff success over the last few years, knocking off the Tampa Bay Lightning two years ago. You know, really thought coming into this season they were ready to take the next step. Instead, it's a step back and a reset for them. So really disappointing for them. But I think it's a great opportunity for Felino to be an important part. And they need the leadership that, that Felino provides. They've got such a young team. Obviously, they brought in Jumbo who's kind of an aging, they've got Manny Malhotra behind the bench as a chance to bring in kind of a veteran, uh, you know, into the room. But I think Felino is a really important addition there. Yeah, and before Ace, I get to you, I just to add on to that, Dom, I, I did not mention the other moves of the day for the Leafs. They got Riley Nash, Nash as well from Columbus and also David Riddick from the Flames. So Ace, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to mention that, Katie. I'm glad that you mentioned that. But before I get to that point, uh, Torts, Coach Tortorella said they needed a hard reset. You know, he said that before this trade even happened, that he realized coming to the season with P.L. Dubois wanting out, they had to start fresh all over again. And I'm sure it was tough for the Columbus Blue Jackets to develop and draft a kid, top three, have him, nurture him, develop him. Then he's like, you know what? I've had enough of this. I want out of here. That was a tough blow to the organization. I don't think the Columbus Blue Jackets ever recovered from this regular season. So now they're bringing in different personalities and people, and it hasn't really meshed yet. And it got to the point where they had to send their captain to Toronto. Now I've got my friends in Toronto blowing up my phone nonstop. My phone is on silent now because everyone's planning a parade on Young Street. That's <laughs> up and down Toronto thinking that they're going to win the cup. And if there's one year Canadian team's going to challenge for a cup, it's this year because I'm sorry, fans of the North, the North division is the worst division in hockey right now. That's why you're seeing McDavid and Dreisaitl and Matthews lighting up those teams like the Ottawa Senators, the Calgary Flames, the Vancouver Canucks. That division's brutal. I mean, it's still the National Hockey League, but it's not the same hockey that I'm watching, watching the other three divisions south of the border. So the general managers there in Canada, they realize that. And they know that this is the time to go for it. Getting Riddick there, I think, was huge because Freddie Anderson's hurt. 
Soupy Campbell, Jack Campbell's going on a great run right now. But my sleeper team in Canada is the Winnipeg Jets. You're going to watch Pierre Dubois and Mark Shifley going head-to-head with Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, those are the two teams that will come out of that division or go head-to-head in the final of that division. And the difference between the Jets and the Leafs, the Jets have Connor Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. And the Leafs don't really know who they have in net right now. Yeah. And Winnipeg's going to get Blake Wheeler back in the lineup as well for that uh, run, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. Well, guys, let's get to the uh, rapid round here. Time for the cold <laughs> brew check fueled by Duncan. We touched on the big deals, uh, but I'm curious what other deals caught your eye today, Dom? Why don't you leave things off? Well, to me, the, the two right shot defenseman moves that were made in the state of Florida caught my eye. Obviously, Losing Eric, Aaron Ekblad in, in Florida was a huge blow to them. And they've been going along like a juggernaut. And actually, if you look at some of the advanced stats in Florida, they've really dropped off since Ekblad has been out of the lineup. So they really needed to do something. I think Brandon Montour is a very good defenseman. Again, take a guy out of a losing environment, losing culture, just a negative place, put him in a winning environment. You're going to see his production enhanced. I would expect that there'd be a real good addition in Florida. And then Tampa, the rich getting richer, adding uh, David Savard, who's one of the very best, best shot blockers in the league. Um, Tampa, despite how prolific their defense is back there, they don't have a shot blocker like Savard. So, you know, Julian Brisebois, again, getting creative and, and finding the right piece to that puzzle. And I thought that was an excellent move. Dom, you clearly have Florida on your mind. You're sticking with Tampa and the Panthers. So I'm going to stay with that theme and go with Sam Bennett coming from the Calgary Flames. Sam Bennett didn't really find a home there in Calgary. They weren't really sure if he's a centerman or winger. I think he's a winger. He's a bottom six player. He's going to bring some energy, some physicality. Joel Quenville has been notorious for getting players slotted in the right position. That's why guys that have had no success in other teams come to him and they all of a sudden have success. So he's going to slot him in the right place and say – Sam, release the hounds. He's going to go hit everything and bring physicality to the table. Another player that I like, Matthias Yanmark. It's not quite Florida, but I like what he's bringing to Vegas because whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I don't think Vegas is going to stay, you know, in Vegas when it comes to the postseason. They might make a run against the Colorado Avalanche out there out west, but Yanmark and Bennett, both those players were unbelievable last year in the playoffs, and I don't see why that will change this postseason. All right, that was the cold brew check fueled by Duncan. Duncan Perks members get one free donut with any beverage purchase on Wednesdays. Not a member? You can download the Duncan app and join. Guys, uh, Anson, you talk about Vegas. You mentioned Colorado. I want to shift the focus here and ask you guys if there were any teams that didn't make a move that you were surprised by because I've got my thoughts on this and I had heard rumblings throughout the day that maybe there was going to be a move for a certain player that I'll talk about in a second, but... Were you surprised, Anson, by any team that did not make a move? Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, they called Music City, but it was awfully quiet. You know, I thought that the National Predators would be sellers, and it turned out that David Poyle was buyers. They were buyers there. And I think it's really because this team convinced him that maybe they have a heartbeat after all. Maybe their team that we left for dead about a month or two ago is telling their general manager, we're still in this. We saw the pieces that we could make a run at this thing, and it's 2021. Anything's possible. So I was shocked that they were buyers and they weren't sellers, Tom. Yeah, for me, it, it wasn't necessarily that surprising. But given where they are in the standings, the New York Rangers could have done something. I think the feeling internally there was simply that if they could have done something to improve their team for the next two or three years and not just for this year, 
they would have done so, but they weren't, you know, they've, they've achieved a level that they've got to right now. They'd love to get in the playoffs. They'd love to get some playoff experience, but I think their vision is for the next two to three years to contend. And so they didn't want to jeopardize that plan in order to try to make a run to get in this year. But that was a team that I was watching carefully to see if they might do something. My surprise, and we talked about it off air, but I'm going to share with our audience, I thought for sure that Ryan Getzlaff was going to be on the move because there was so much talk throughout the day that he had waived his no-trade clause, which to me, when a captain of a franchise, you know, your perennial leader in that locker room decides he can waive the clause to go to Vegas, uh, I think you try to make that move. And Ace, you had a good perspective as to why you think that the Ducks and the Golden Knights couldn't get that deal done. Why do you think it was? Yeah, maybe the Ducks were asking for too much. <laughs> and Vegas said, we, we like our team right now. We're not willing to subtract that much to add Ryan Getzlaff to the table. So that's probably why the deal didn't happen. If Ryan Getzlaff would have opened up the scope of where he was willing to go, then I think he would have found a suitor for sure because you can't question what Ryan Getzlaff brings to the table. Even at this stage of his career, I think he'd be a valuable piece for a team looking for that veteran leadership. And he can still distribute the puck like the best of them, the National Hockey League in the middle of the ice. Yeah. Yeah. And play nasty too. <laughs> yeah. And, and what you need for but, a playoff run. I just think too, you know, KT, to that, to that question, I think this is such a weird year, you know, and, and not only the COVID and all of that, you know, changed the marketplace, but the next few years with the flat cap, you know, you, you're seeing teams that approach this deadline very cautiously because they want to keep all their options open going forward in terms of, crafting their teams and building the puzzle pieces together to fit under the cap and contend. So I think it was not easy to get deals done this year. And you mentioned the word creative, you know, when we, we were talking just a while ago, I think that was the way a lot of these deals got done. They had to be creative. Yeah. And Anson, just to backpedal a second to your point about if Ryan Getzlaff had opened up to a couple other teams, it, it was known that he wanted Vegas because of its close proximity to where he and his family live, um, of course, in the Anaheim area in Los Angeles. And so certainly family reasons we can all sympathize with as to why he didn't open it up more. Very curious to see what happens to Ryan Getzlaff's future, though, because I truly believe he would be an asset as a veteran presence to many teams in the NHL trying to make a run. Um, Given the four divisions, guys, you know, when you look at the big deals that were made today, is there any team that you didn't expect would now make a run for a cup that, that is after the deals that they've made today? For me, the contenders are the contenders. And, you know, they, they all kind of stepped up to the plate to try and, you know, add assets to their pieces. And all of them wanted, you know, it was kind of go big or go home time. And for me, Ace, the, you look at, for me, Colorado, they're a team that, to me, is the best team in the NHL right now. They did what they had to do. Toronto, despite what you may think about the North Division, they did what they had to do to put themselves in a position to make a run. It, time will tell, though, whether these were the right decisions because you make those go big or go home moves and you lose, lose in the first round. Well, hey, that's the risk, the risk reward that you've got to play that game for. And last year, I thought Tampa had the best decor. Getting Savard, sneaky, sneaky move by Griezmann, their, their general manager. But the biggest acquisition hasn't been made yet. They potentially could get Kucherov yes. you know, at some point this year if they have a decent run. So talk about MVP candidate. Getting Kucherov, a well-rested Kucherov, I mean, would be unbelievable. 
That's a very valid point. They're about to make the biggest trade by acquiring uh, Kudrov off IR. Um, and that would be exciting for the playoff run. Um, guys, before I let you go, best trade deadline story that you've got from your career? Is there a player you played with that you got at the deadline? I mean, Dom, you've got a whole book of stories, but <laughs> what's the best one? Tell us. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, I just think the trade deadline is – for me, it was always a nervous time because I was always on short-term short-term deals, Ace. And so I knew I was a guy, if, if our team, like when I was in Tampa, we had made a run to the conference finals. The next year, we were not a playoff team. And so I knew I had an expiring deal, smaller contract I could fit in. And, you know, teams always looking for kind of like those role-playing players at the deadline. And so it was always a nervous time for me. But also on the flip side, it gave me some of the best memories of my career. So I got traded to Montreal before the deadline. 2010, we went to the conference finals. We upset Washington and Pittsburgh in the opening rounds. So I wouldn't trade it for the world, I have to, ha I have to say. <laughs> I've had a couple of interesting scenarios. I've been traded a few times during trade deadline day. The one time I was in Edmonton, I learned about the trade, getting ready for morning skate, watching TV with the boys in the room, which is a little bit awkward. But then after that, I think I would have to say the first time I was traded while I was actually a pro. So it was my rookie year in National Hockey League. I was in Washington, and I didn't really play that much. Like, speaking of being the toilet seat earlier, I was in the toilet seat up and down for the minors. So I didn't have to clear waivers. We had a veteran team. I think our Keith Jones was the second oldest guy in their team. I was 21 or 22. I think Jones was 30. So <laughs> We won't mention I'm in, that. <laughs> right, right. I'm in the – the basement of my roommate from college, Terry Karen. And so I live with two field hockey players at state and Terry's family lived in Virginia. So I'm at Terry's place and her parents place watching. They're called the Washington bullets at the time before they changed the wizard. And across the bottom, the ticker says caps make blockbuster deal. Huge news at halftime. So I look over at Terry. I'm like, Oh my God, I wonder who got traded. Was it Pivo? Was it Bondra? Pavanka or Bondra on our team? So I, Turn my phone back on because I got the Motorola smartphone. I got the StarTac. And back then, you turn your phone off to save your minutes. So you weren't yeah. you know, getting $1,000. I turn my phone on, and I call Jason Allison. I'm like, Allie, we're finally going to play. We never played all. We're finally getting opportunity. Like, blockbuster deal. Who got traded? He goes, we got traded, dumbass. And I was like, what? <laughs> blockbuster deal. He goes, yeah, I know. It was like Jim Carrey, yourself, and me. We're like Tockett, Ranford, and Oates. So I was like, no way. So automatically I checked my voice. I said, you've got 300 voicemails. And I'm like, what? Oh, gosh. That turned Harry Sind is looking for me. My mom's crying on my voicemail because back then my mom's like paranoid because I get traded to Boston. And she's like, you know, the history of Boston with like black people. I was like, no. I just know about a tea party and that's about it. She's like, well, be careful there. You could be okay. I was like, mom, 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 mom. I got this. It's all good. So that was my trade. That's a, uh, I love that. A little bit of a rookie move, though, is turning the phone off on trade deadline day. <laughs> I didn't think I was getting traded, and I was the lowest paid guy in the team. I was only making two seventy five, so I wasn't getting dinged for a thousand bucks, Dom. It wasn't happening. <laughs> well, it ended up being the best trade of your life, Anson, because right, you met your beautiful wife Erica in Boston. Best four. Oh. Besides my time at Michigan State, yes, KT, I agree. Best four years of well, Edmonton was pretty close too. Like. <laughs> my time I would say if I compare the front office now than it was then I wish I played for Cam Neal in the group now because the front office then we had a chance 
to build a solid team. We had Joe Thornton, Jason Allison, myself, Sergey Samsonov, Kyle McLaren, Byron Defoe. We had pieces for a nice core, but it was always about the Benjamins there in Boston and never happened. But I love the city. Great market. Un- Unreal hockey fans. I love my time in Boston. Loved it. Amen. I agree. I enjoyed my time in Boston and Dom enjoyed his time so much so at Harvard in Cambridge that he decided to move there as well. So And for the Bruins, let's not forget I spent the year for them too. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay, okay. One one year of the ninety-five thousand other teams you played on. We'll count it. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, it's been fun. Uh looking forward to catching up with you next week and seeing how all these trades factor in on the ice. Uh, I always love the couple broadcasts after the trade deadline because you've got guys that are trying to prove themselves to their team. You've got players that want to play well for their new teammates and uh, it's always good hockey on the ice. So looking forward to working with you guys, but that's going to do it for this edition of Our Line Starts presented by and fueled by Duncan. We hope you join us next time. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.